everyone, this is your girl Michelle with Girls Talk Real Talk, because when girls talk, just about anything can happen. Today on our show, we have Leslie Wright, who is the compiler and one of the co-authors of the book anthology, As For Me In My House. Listen in to this conversation with the author. Okay. So hey everybody, this is your girl Michelle with Girls Talk Real Talk because when girls talk, just about anything can happen. So I am so very excited today that I have Leslie Wright here with me and we are doing this interview. Now, a lot of you don't know who Leslie is that is really a part of my inner circle unless you've been following my Facebook post for what, the last couple of weeks. Um, I have kind of introduced you a little bit to her. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to give Leslie an opportunity to kind of introduce herself to um, you guys and let you see this phenomenal woman that God has blessed me to meet. So Leslie, why don't you tell everybody about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me um, on the show. I, I'm so honored to be here. Man, where do I start? Uh, I am your your homegirl, man. I was born and raised in Landover, Maryland, 1984. So huge shouts up to, to the 84 babies. Uh, I currently reside in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, and man, my life has been absolutely dynamic really since conception. Uh, was born with a hole in my heart. I weighed about as much as a hamburger pack. Um, really was not even supposed to be here. Uh, but my father and my mother and my grandmother said, no, not so. And so I've had the power of prayer, uh, a part of my life uh, from the very beginning. Uh, was raised as a pastor's kid, a PK kid. So huge shout out to my PK kids. But my father started as a drummer and my mom was a Sunday school teacher. Uh, so really was raised in the church and to have a, a relationship with Christ very, very early on. Uh, dedicated my life to Christ when I was 10. Uh, so been walking with him for a while now. I'm 35 now. Uh, I reside in Greensboro, North Carolina with my beautiful boy who I post about all the time, Mr. Jaden Jackson. Uh, he's nine. Uh, and my, my let's see, my eight-month-old eight now puppy, uh, Steven, uh, is his name. is very prestigious. And so, uh, but my goodness, I do so many different things. I'm in Mary Kay. I'm in LuLaRoe, I, which is a clothing line. I am an international best-selling author, public speaker wedding and event coordinator. I am a business consultant and coach. And so I'm just grateful that God chose me to be a vessel and to work for the kingdom full time. So it's a it's an honor to be here today. I want to tell everybody how this all came about. Um, me and Leslie are friends on Facebook. And Leslie had put up a um, post where she was looking for some individuals to work on a project with her. And so I kind of looked and then I didn't look. and I'm one of those people that if something comes across my timeline three times, I have to pay attention to it. <laughs> and so I got it the first time and I was like, you know what, I'm in the process of everything in my life going on at once. I really don't have the time to really do this. And then it popped up again. And I said, well, but, uh, I'm not too sure about it. And so it was probably two, three days later, it popped up again. And it was the same post. It wasn't a new post. It was the exact same post. And I was like, well, maybe I need to find out a little bit about it. 
So I inboxed Leslie and I was like, okay, give me some more information on this and let me know what this is about. And the more that she was telling me about the project, the more God was telling me, do it. And I was thinking to myself, where am I going to have time to do this at? With everything else I got going on, I don't have time for this. And he was just really impressing upon me, do the project. And so I said, okay, we're going to do the project. Let's move forward with the project. And it has been an experience of a lifetime. And I want to tell you that. I want to thank you for your openness and your willingness to do what God has, has entrusted you with doing. Because a lot of times we don't realize that the connections that we make are sometimes God connections. Mm -hmm. And we don't know how those connections are going to be a blessing in our lives. And so I'm not going to hold back the secret anymore. Um, anyone that's been on my timeline know that we just published a book on Ask for Me and My House. And it is an anthology of about seven of us, right? Yes. Seven women who basically have shared their stories about their experience with entrepreneurism, how they got started, um, having those difficult conversations with family to let them know that this is the direction they're going in, and the lessons that they learned to help onboard other families that are interested in becoming entrepreneurs. And so it has been one of the best experiences of my life because it was my first time really working with a publisher. I've always self-published my books. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So in the last three years, I have put out basically three literary projects. So this was my third one. So I started in 2017 as an author, and every year since then, I've been able to participate in a project. And I thank God for that. But I want to get a little deeper into it with you, Leslie. How did you come about this whole thing? How did this come about? Yeah. Um, you know, I sit with what God is telling me uh, pretty often from project to project, whether it be uh, an event or a client or a book. And he's always wrestling with me with something that's happening in real time in the world. And he always says, don't get frustrated by it. I'm going to help you be the answer to it. Uh, and so I was like, oh, here we go. You know, it's the end of the year. God, I was just like you. Where's another book supposed to come from? Where, where's the time? It is the end of the year, Jesus. Okay. We are supposed <laughs> to be having turkey and closing the year out. We're done. You know, I had had my last bit of the year and he just kept knocking. He just kept knocking. I'm, I'm not done yet. Let me in. Let me in. Trust me and let me in. Um, and so I think it also became the resounding uh, influence, if you will, of the time. Many people then started talking about, wait a minute, the year's not over yet. Don't waste the last few days. Don't waste the last few weeks. So I knew it was him because it was in alignment so much of what other people began talking about uh, on their lives, on their radio shows, that we were so ready to come into 2020. Mm -hmm. We were missing out on the last 30 days of the year. And I said, okay, I, I know I'm probably one of them. I've been ignoring God for maybe a few weeks now uh, on getting this book out. And it came out of an outcry of talking to so many women who said, Leslie, I just don't have the support that you do. My mom and my brother, my husband, mm -hmm. my boyfriend, they're not on my team. They're not on any team. 
You know, I just can't seem, I can get strangers to support me. But when it comes to my family supporting me, I can't figure it out. I just can't figure it out. They won't buy a can of paint for me. I can't figure this right, out. Right, right. Don't, I don't understand how you've been able to do that. How are you able to bring people into your circle of influence, convince them to get on board with what you're doing? And so that's where that onboard terminology came from. Uh, but God said, just tell them, tell them your story. Tell them how you did it. You know, um, tell them how you've wrestled and you've had some that have gotten on board and some who haven't. But what did that conversation really look like? How do you sit down with your family and set a standard? Mm -hmm. You know, and say, as for me and my house, we will choose entrepreneurship. You know, we're, we're raising our nine-year-old to not go to school to get a job. We tell everyone that that meets us. He won't have a job. Please don't give him an application. We don't even speak about that in our home. For him, he will create jobs for people. He will have businesses. He will travel and see the world as he wants to do. And, uh, and he will tell you that himself. And so I said, man, you know, we went back and forth. At first, it was going to be like the Ten Commandments um, of entrepreneurship. And then I said, well, you know, I don't know that we want commandments because I don't want to like, you know, overshadow the Ten Commandments because God knows nothing I say, fit, you know, overshadows that. But I definitely want people to create standards again. I think I was at a personal phase in my life where I was re uh, uh, evaluating the standards I had in my own life. And I said, this is, this is good stuff here. I think he's taking a little bit of what I'm going through and a lot of what the world is going through. And he's going to craft a book in me. He's going to bring some other people together to bring this to fruition to say, no, no, you actually have a lot more control of what's happening to you than you think. We just got to set some new standards. And I think this book helps you do that. I must admit, I've, after going through, because of course I bought the Kindle version myself and I have been slowly going through the stories. Um, and it amazed me how there was a flow. When you start from the beginning of the book to the end of the book, there's a flow. So I know my chapter is called a designer's original. And I know me and you went back and forth over what that title was going to be because I had like three or four titles and I was like, no, this one's not working. No, that one's not working. That just does not sound good to me. And you was like, but the designer's original sounds good. And God just kind of went forward from there and, and we began to move forward with what he had given me to share. But anyone that does not have the book, I encourage you to get the book because this book is not only individual testimonies of how people start, how women started their businesses and the support or the lack of support that they receive, but it is also a wealth of information to help you on your journey to entrepreneurship. I mean, some of the information that's in there, like one of the big things for me was I did not understand the importance of having a network of like-minded people around me. Mm. Because I have to be real honest, Leslie, I'm the first in my family, mm -hmm. the first entrepreneur, the first author, I'm the first. And so what I found was that individuals were placing their fears on me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was a big thing. And I didn't realize it until months later. And I was like, but I'm not afraid to do this. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to step out there and do this. 
But what I have noticed is that my willingness to step out there and be an entrepreneur in front of my children who are adults now, um, my son actually has his own business. He has a full-time job, but he also has his own business. Yeah. And it allowed him to see the possibilities that lay before him and how your gifts will make room for you and put you before great men. Yeah. And, and I am looking at this and I know, and I'm like, but this isn't your first anthology, Leslie. No, no, it's not. So how do you, how do you keep, yeah. How do you keep them going in the direction that you know they need to go and staying focused on which project you're working on? How do, how do you maintain that mindset of not getting distracted from what it is that you know you're supposed to be doing? Yeah, it's, it's one of the most famous questions I get asked. Um, you know, I think it had a lot to do with my father's influence in my life at a very young age. Um, I was asked to do and play a lot of roles at a young age. I, you know, helped my father carry the drums upstairs, but I also was his secretary. So I had to take messages and answer the phone. You know, I was my mom's helper with Sunday school. I was a big sister to my brother. From a little girl, I always was a multitasker. And I thrived in that. I thrived in deadlines. I thrived in duties and responsibility. And I think it trickles on into the adult woman I've become today and in, in my career path and in my choices. Um, I thrive in multi-projects. I know how to move multiple wheels to get the entire car to move. Um, and it is a gift, uh, but I don't ever profess to know how to do it by myself. I do have coaches. I do have team members. I do have people behind me that help me stay focused, that help me stay in the pocket and make sure these projects get done uh, and to hold me accountable as well. Huge shouts to, like you said, the publisher, Miss Teresa uh, Howard, who says, no, you're not going to give up on these authors yourself for this project. We will finish it. And I think it has a lot to do with your publisher. Teresa and I have been working together for years, but First and foremost, she's a God-fearing woman. And she always tells me and takes me to task, what did God say? If he said that it comes out on this date, we're going to get it out on this date. And we hold each other accountable to that task. Um, but God also really deals with me very specifically on very specific issues um, in very different times of the day. You know, in the morning, he's alluding me to problems and concerns. So I kind of come into his office. He sits down and gives me the plan. I wrote a book called Plan of Attack. And so we come to the boardroom with God every morning to say, God, put me in the pathway of the person who I'm supposed to talk mm -hmm. to today. Put me in the path of, of what I'm supposed to be trying to, to give some aid and some alleviance to and some, some relevance to uh, what, what is going on in the landscape. And so I tell people that I coach that I log into Facebook every day, but that really is my world news uh, of choice. Uh, and so for a little while there, I'll just get on there and just scroll and see what people are talking about. What are people in my network dealing with? What are they trying to cope with? What, what's the pain of the day? I, I strategically go after that every single day. Um, I take note of that and I take it back to God. I say, okay, God, I, I feel like my people are wrestling with this. Sometimes he answers right away. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he'll give it to me in a dream. Um, sometimes he'll hit me in the middle of my day. Uh, interruption, which is our new book coming out uh, today, came over a span of time. Uh, he just kind of downloaded it in me over a course of several days. 
um, as we were preparing to come into the new year. And so when you allow yourself to be an open vessel and to truly like allow yourself to be used by God, uh, some call it a medium, I call it a vessel, but you really become extra sensitive to when he's speaking and when he's doing something with you, you carry a notepad around. Uh, for my writers and authors, you know that. We, we don't leave home without pen and paper because he'll download something to you in the middle of dinner, at the movies, um, in the parking lot, at the grocery store. You got to capture it, man, while it's fresh because there's no guarantee that after dinner is done and the kids are put to bed that you're going to keep it the way he delivered it. And uh, so I do that faithfully. I'll jot things down. I'll write things down. And then I'll say, okay, God, I don't. And I talk to him in very humanistic terms. I walk mm -hmm. around my house talking to God because he dwells here like a regular person. And I'll say, God, I, you know, I don't understand. I don't understand. Clear that up for me. And he'll give that to me in the shower. You know, I'll say, God, I don't, I don't know about that title. Are my people going to get it? I, I don't know. And then that's usually when he's quiet. Cause he's like, are you questioning me? You know, <laughs> <laughs> but, but he gives me the titles. He gives me the colors. He gives me the words and the concepts. None of the books I've put out are mine. They are straight from heaven to his people. And I was just the transporter. I was just the translator. your copy of the internationally best-selling book, As For Me and My House. This book contains stories strategically designed to help entrepreneurial creatives jump into entrepreneurship. Be sure to pick up your copy today on Amazon.com. That is so inspiring to me and I'll tell you why because that's how God deals with me he deals with me in the same way I showed you my notebook yeah I got about four or five of these in various places that I write down stuff um and literally a piece of paper right here notes where he's giving me stuff um and when I tell people that I talk to God just like I talk to other people they always look at me a little sideways because I have my dedicated prayer times, but the mo majority of the time when I speak to God, it is just throughout the day based upon things that are going on. Um, and I might say like in the mornings when I'm on my way to my nine to five and I'm like, and I'll see somebody on the bus stop. I'm like, Lord bless them and anybody else. Keep them warm, keep them safe. You know, but then I have those conversations when I'm like, Lord, I don't understand what you just did or what you just said. I need some more clarity. I need you to show me what you're you're talking about. Yeah. And I think it's important for us to realize that anything that we get, the the visual the visions that we get, the dreams that we have, the purpose that has already been downloaded into us is not our own. We yeah. have been entrusted with it for God to be able to get the glory out of whatever we're doing. And I said to someone recently that I'm just a vessel that God is using in order to be able to meet the needs of his people. So I may have the purpose, but God's people are the direct recipients 
of the blessings and the the end product that he has instilled in me for me to give out. And so I think that that is, that is so wonderful to see somebody else who has that same mindset. Yeah. I am not a pastor's kid, but I am a PK. I'm a preacher's kid. Yeah. Two times over, mama and daddy. Yes. <laughs> so a lot of that is being instilled as well. But I want, I want to get into the project a little bit more. Um, because I, I had shared with you that I've already interviewed three of the ladies. And um, when I interviewed Norma, she said something to me that I think is just going to really blow you away. Oh, gosh. They, they're always going for tears. <laughs> Very strategic. I think they have meetings without me. Go ahead. So when I was talking to her, I said, what did you pull out from the, the entire project, the entire experience? And she said, even though I've done anthologies in the past with the group of ladies that I write with, she said the process that Leslie used um, streamlined the process that I was using and that I'm going to use her process going forward because it's easier to do things smarter and not harder. And she was thoroughly impressed with how you kept, and I was as well, how you kept us on task. You would do the lives and you would let us know, okay, it's time for this aspect of the project. We're ready for this aspect of the project. And even if we didn't get responses back from you immediately, we knew that we could trust that any question that we asked was gonna have an answer. Yeah. And I have to admit, Teresa blew me away. She blew me away because that first cover that you put up in the group, I was like, no, no. Yeah. But you you came back and you said, I wasn't feeling the cover either. Cover either. Um, I sent it back and told them, let's try it again. And until you had a cover that you were comfortable with and that you felt like it spoke to the spirit and the nature of the book, we wouldn't release it. Mm -hmm. Even though we had a deadline that we had set, we weren't releasing. But what God showed me in the midst of that, and I'm sure he showed you as well, is that he strategically took us off of Christmas Day and put us on another day. So not only will we get first best-selling by Amazon, but international bestseller as well. Yeah. And so, and I know with this being um, not your first anthology that you've done, what about this project stood out for you versus any other project that you've done? Oh, I, I think you hit on it. Is that other covers, other graphics, other images, other brandings of previous books came easy. But this one, because it was so layered, we wanted any nationality family to be able to pick this book up and see themselves in it because we wanted it to translate and be timeless that we didn't want it to be a christmas holiday book we didn't want it to be your new year's eve read we really wanted it to be a book that you use throughout your year it did cause us and, and myself the compiler <laughs> and the publishing team who worked over christmas like yes, that's what you have to have. You have to have a publisher that knows, like she knows or he knows, 
that it's so much bigger than any cover, any title page, any subtitles, any bios. It's so much bigger than that, that the book has to come out in excellence if you want people to trust it. And you have to pick a publisher that understands that at best. And so, you know, we, we were telling each other, all right, we got to get off of here eventually. We got to open gifts. We got we to gotta do something Christmassy, okay? Uh, but, but I was so, and, and I love the team because they don't give up on me. They, I don't give up on them. They don't give up on me. They see the project through. But this was definitely a, a one that was challenging in the way that, you know, I kind of freaked out for a minute. They're like, oh my God, we got to push the deadline back. But it, just as you said, everything was intentional. And he was not going to release me spiritually, emotionally, and the book physically, obviously, into the world until it was right. Yes. And if it meant waiting a day or two, I thank God that he released me from that anxiety almost instantly uh, to, to be fearless, right, as a compiler to go back to my authors and said, hey, we're going to keep working at this because it's just not right yet. Um, and being able to just move the project forward in excellence, I, I think probably the, the most difficult part was accepting that. And then working on those graphics, that, and as you said, that cover went through many. Yes. <laughs> the cover that we started with. So I'm glad you all love it. <laughs> and I've asked that question to each of the, the three other ladies that we've interviewed already that are co-authors on this project. And everybody said the same thing. That first cover, uh -uh. no Lord, we <laughs> that was not it. Not quite it. <laughs> no. But um one of the things that I have to say is even in the midst of, of the uncertainty of when we were actually going to be able to go live with the book on Kindle as the Kindle version, I have to say, Leslie, your personality and spirit didn't change. Now, if you were fighting with not doing whatever or disappointed, that never came through because you were always, even in the live that you did, it didn't come through. You were always on task, encouraging, letting us know that, you know, we're going to do this. It's going to happen. It may not happen like we expected it to, but it's going to happen. And we're not just going to put out anything for the sake of putting out anything, but this must be a quality project. So that, that mindset, how, how did you stay... I know you had your own internal things that were going on because what you originally had said was not coming to fruition. So how did you keep so positive with us while dealing with the stuff you were dealing with on the back end? Yeah, I, I think it goes back when you are a leader in any project, what your core values are. And my core values are excellence, leadership, dependability, sustainability, you know, I guide people into the promised land. That's what I do. It's what I'm known for. If I say we're going to have an end destination, we're going to get there. And we may have to change buses, planes, flights, but it's going to happen. And I think being uh, so passionate about excellence, being so passionate about making sure that people, if something happened today, that they lost their job, if they hit hard times, they have a product that we created that they could sustain their homes that they could sustain their lifestyle with. You know, I believe that books are, are so powerful. They're so beyond the bookstores and the bookmarks. You know, I want my authors to be able to go order a couple of hundred books and pay their mortgage. And when you have that in mind, you don't give up on yourself. You don't give up on the process. 
and you fix your face, as my mom would say, as the elders say, fix your face, you know. You used to get popped in church, and you'd be like, yes, ma'am, you know. Fix your face, because the people who are working with you not only are depending on you, but they deserve excellence from you in every shape, form, or fashion. They didn't have to be a part of your project. Uh, they didn't have to say yes. There were millions of opportunities that were launching at the time, but they saw something in you. And you have to keep that credibility. Um, there's a time and place, as my father would say, for everything. You know, did I cry? Did I have moments where I was like, oh my God. You know, absolutely. But I've been trained well to fix your face. <laughs> yeah, I remember them statements. Yeah. Mine was not fixing. Get your face together. You know, everything shows up on your face. Get your face together. Yes. So I am, I am so, so very excited that God even put this opportunity before me to work with you because he had already downloaded an anthology into me. And I was like, I never did that. I don't know the first thing I'm supposed to be doing, you know, and all of that. And so with what it is that I learned from you, it has helped me follow through and be able to get things in place to be able to do the things that he has now assigned me to do. Amen. And you are a phenomenally exceptional woman of God. And I thank God daily for bringing you into my life and into my space. Because the things that I have learned from you, I can now take them and run with them and be able to do the things that he has already instructed me to do because of what you've downloaded into me. And that has been the consensus with all of the interviews, because now it's almost like, man, all of that, and you let us know the process. You didn't hide anything from us. You gave us the process from beginning to end. And at that last um, post that you put up, you had said, Michelle reminded me of the one thing that I love to do the, the most, and that is to teach. And you outlined everything. So that all we had to do was copy and paste it and be able to go back and look at it. Yeah. A lot of people won't share their process because they don't want you to do what they have done because they feel like that's their, their niche in the market. Mm -hmm. So what makes that so important for you to make sure that you share the process so that other people can see your vision, see what it is that you're doing and run with it and replicate it in their own lives? Yeah, I believe in legacy and I believe in leaving something in the world that people can hang on to, uh, live by, be inspired by long after you're gone. And so if you're not teaching others to do that with your work, with your writings, with your, with your process, then you're really selling yourself short and you are making a lot of temporal things in the world that will satisfy uh, the needs that you have today, but they won't hold you for tomorrow and they won't hold your generations to come after you're gone. You know, I tell people often in interviews that I think about my great, great grandchildren. Often I think about the generations that will be birthed uh, out of my lineage and, and what will they say about me? Well, they say, man, great grandma had it going on. She had like 12 businesses. They was never hungry. They ate at Olive Garden all the time. You know, I need 
I need that story. I need to be able to sit next to Jesus and hear them talk good things about me. You understand? Um, yes. I, I need that because I think if more of us thought that way, then we wouldn't have poverty. True. We would, we would not have poverty. We would not be trying to eradicate poverty. And I wrote a paper about this uh, in my last doctoral class when I was interviewing United Way. You know, I said, what, what do you think is the root of poverty? That, that is their mission right now. And, you know, passing it on is what he talked about, getting more people involved to help them understand that this is not just Sam's problem, but this is Sam's children's problem now. This is Sam's grandchildren's problem now, that this is an epidemic that gets passed down. And so us as authors, uh, as business owners, as Christians in the marketplace, it is our diligence, it is our due uh, our duty, if you will, I talked about it this morning on my Facebook Live, that it's our duty to wake up and figure out who to teach. You're supposed to share your process. No one's ever going to do it just like you, but they better do it because of you. They're I not like that. Like you, but they better do it because of you. You know, I tell people there's no copycats in the kingdom. There's no copycats. Copycatting is a world terminology, right? Jesus was the first copycat. He wanted to put into 12 people a little piece of him so that we could have the Bible today, so that we could be the people we are today. Copycat came around, uh, you know, long after he was gone. And I believe that as Christians in the marketplace, we hold on to different notions and word choices and, and beliefs and value systems that were really birthed out of the world. And then we somehow try to figure out what word is God in that. Nowhere. Nowhere. That That's not a kingdom terminology. And so it's my job to show people my process so that as you, Michelle, and so many of my other authors, I thank God for, for you sharing that with me because, man, that was the point. Yeah, let's have a great book. Let's get it to international bestseller, but it's your turn now. And that's exactly what I told you at the end of the process. It's your turn now. Where's your anthology? Remember I joked with you guys about yeah. where's your announcement? I don't see it right? Um, but it's your turn now to put out your own anthology, to bring together like-minded people, as you said, for a common good, and to then show them how to do it again. Man, that's duplication in the earth, and that's what we all should be striving for. That's discipleship. I am so glad that you shared that, because a lot of times we don't see that. We see somebody as stealing our ideas, instead of it being the biggest form of flattery that we could ever have is that someone has decided to mimic what it is that we have done and that and they thought so much of us and thought we did it so well that now they're doing it. Yeah. And the things that, that we have talked about today in the interview, I must say, this is probably one of the funnest interviews I've had in a while. And I say that because of your personality. A lot of times we get individuals that we're interviewing and it is question, answer, question, answer, and it's not real conversation. And one of the things that I appreciate in, in talking to the, my co-authors is our ability, even though we haven't met in person, to be able to conversate and to be on the same level of conversation and be able to understand that this was a God thing. This wasn't a Leslie thing. This wasn't a Michelle thing. This was a God thing. And he brought the right people together at the right time to make sure that this project went off. And even to that, introducing each other to each other so that now there is another leg of, of contact that we have that we can network with in order to get things done. 
And so this has been probably one of the most enjoyable writing experiences of my life. And the first time that I've ever written with other people. Yeah. All of my other books I wrote myself. And it was just me and God. So actually sharing this with other people and seeing the excitement, especially Anissa's excitement. I mean, Anissa, I think, did most of the comments in the group. Yeah, God is doing, because he's doing such a mighty work in her, um, Anissa came to me as a fellow Mary Kay sister. She's a director and I'm a consultant. And uh, she first came to me kind of just mentoring me, letting me know what the world of Mary Kay was going to look like in conjunction with everything else that I had going on. She wanted me to feel safe. She wanted me to feel protected. She wanted me to know that I was not going to be lost in this larger vision of a company that I was coming under the toolage of and um, really has always been a, a kind of a, a supporter. She's been a fan, if you will. And so she said, no, this is going to be the year where I come out of the stands and I get on the field with you. I want to know you and I want to know your process and I want to know how you're able to do this. And the things that God is doing in her life because of that obedience, because of her coming from the stands and coming into the congregation, coming onto the battlefield, he's making her a better warrior. He's making her a better communicator. Things are changing in her home. And so that fire that you see, that comedy that you see, it's because God's blowing her mind. But I told her she, he would because of her obedience. That is so awesome. Um, and she was sharing with me that she actually brought two of the co-authors in with her. Andrea and Norma. So grateful. So, so grateful. that was that was so exciting to me. Um, I'm gonna throw something out that you may not know yourself. I am too a Mary Kay consultant. What? No, I didn't know that. <laughs> My pink sister. <laughs> Most people don't know that. I, I can't keep that under wraps while I'm doing my other stuff. But yeah. um, I have found empires, many empires, just keep many going. empires, many, many um, oars in the water and yeah. all of that. Lots of kingdoms to, to manage. Yes. Yes. And so what's next? Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited about the next book. It's going to be quite electrified. Uh, and again, another stretch for me, another stretch for the authors that, that come under me. We, uh, we are launching a brand new book, literally, like right now. <laughs> it's 12 o'clock. We're coming out with a new book called The Interruption. Um, and I think a lot of times what caught people up in 2019 is that people knew that God was doing a great work in them. He knew that. Mm -hmm. He knew that they, uh, people knew that what they were missing. They were beginning to grapple with what they needed and understanding what that canvas was supposed to look like. But sometimes interpretation of what God is doing kind of gets a little skewed because of fear, because of worry, because of anxiety. And so he gave me interruption to say, let me help you now understand what I was doing. In those moments where you thought something was supposed to happen and I interrupted it, let me tell you what that was all about. It's gonna be special. Okay. So it's been launched today. It's being launched today. It's open right now. I'm going live when I get off the, get off the line here with you. Uh, opens at 12 o'clock. We got seven spots. Oh my goodness, I've been asked to come speak in Fayetteville because of the latest book. We have our events. We have so many other projects. There's another project coming out with children who pray. Children are going to teach you how to pray uh, this spring. And um, it's, it's just powerful. We're doing documentaries and putting things on TV. It's, it's just a blessing. So many different things to look forward to this year. Oh, wow. I'm excited about that. So 
Let's say, as we close out, let's say that there is someone who has watched the interview and they're like teetering. They're, they're like right here and they're ready to fall over into entrepreneurship, into authorship, into stepping into the purpose in which God created them. Um, they're ready for that expected end that Jeremiah talks about. Yeah. What would you say to them? What advice would you give them? You know, the, I asked my network this morning, what's going to be the word that you stand on? We've adapted that lifestyle of speaking that and standing on that word from Pastor Cassandra Elliott, who many of you know, and uh, it's been working. It's been working to just hold on to a word that we can stand on, even good times, bad times. And one thing I would say is that if you do have that double-mindedness, you know, they talk about that in the Bible, not being double-minded, but being able to be sound uh, and resound in your decision-making. Um, this is going to be a year where you've got to make a decision. You have to make a decision. It's the bottom line. Uh, there's no more time to play around. You either like being broke and you're fine with it, or you're ready to do something about it. You know, there is no gray in 2020. It is or it's not. Um, and I would say that everything that you cried out to God for in 2019, everything you were asking him for, it's not that he forgot. It's possible that we weren't ready for it. It's possible that it wasn't the right season for it. It's possible that there was requirements of, of some preparation. I keep hearing preparation in my spirit, that there are some things that we just didn't get in 2019 because we just weren't prepared. But what do you do when you're not prepared? You get prepared. And right. So I would say do the things um, this year that you know that you need to do so that you are prepared to receive what you're asking God for. And then there's nothing left to do but to do it. Wow, that was a word there. If they didn't get it, I got it. Yeah. Um, my words for 2020 is onward and forward. That's my statement for 2020. God gave me that probably on the 29th of December. And, and mine is progression. So we're right in alignment. There you go. Onward and forward and progression. Yeah, it has to be progressive this year. Um, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with our audience. And I pray God's blessings upon everything that your mind, your heart, and your hands seek to do in 2020 and forward. And trust me, I'm going to be watching. You might see me jump in there a little bit here and there, but I'll be watching and, and thanking God that he's put such a wonderful fire in you that has caught hold in the lives of my co-authors and myself. So thank you again for being on Girls Talk Real Talk because when girls talk, just about anything can happen. Thank you for listening in on another episode of Girls Talk Real Talk. Be sure to follow us on all of the approved podcast platforms and to like our Girls Talk YouTube channel. This is Michelle signing off and wishing each of you a prosperous and joyous life. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you again. Bye-bye. She's just a girl, and she's on fire. Hotter than a fantasy, lonely like a highway. She's living in a world, and it's on fire. Filled with catastrophe, but she knows she can fly away.